Good evening. It's wonderful to see a few of you here tonight. <laughs> we're, uh, we're getting ready for some big stuff. You know, is anyone feeling lucky the day after St. Patrick's Day? I'm, I'm feeling lucky. It was, it was one of those days. It started rainy, got sunshiny later in the day. Started alone in my office, and now I'm here with all five of you. So <laughs> it's really good to have you. All right, well, now it's time to turn it over to somebody who always has the luck of the Irish, Dr. John. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to talk about a computer that smells. No, it doesn't smell bad. It smells like you. And we, well, we don't smell bad either. Right? Actually, it smells. It doesn't smell, but it smells, you know? And when you think about it, actually, the way that we can smell things is really, really amazing. We have these little olfactory cells in the back of our nose, and as we whiff something, the air moves through our nose past those little cells, and they're sensitive to different chemicals or molecules that move past in the air. And then they send those signals to the brain, to the little neurons in the brain, in a special part of the brain for processing this. They call it the olfactory bulb. And then it converts that information into, you know, oh, it smells like watermelon know, or whatever the smell is. And uh, that's an amazing thing when you think about it. So they used these computer chips. It's a new kind of computer chip that processes in a really different way than most computers do. It's more like our brains do it. And I want to talk a little bit more about that because it's pretty awesome. They have 72 little sensors. In their experiment, they would blow the air past the sensors and read what the smell was. And the computer could recognize different smells. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about processing and about how this works. Uh, normally, computers use something called the von Neumann architecture. This was designed by Mr. von Neumann, who was a very smart guy. And it's a really great way to process uh, information in computers. And essentially, we have inputs and outputs, and we have a central processing unit that actually does the processing. And then we have the memory spread out uh, outside of the processor stored somewhere else. And so uh, you only have to have one processor that does the work, and you feed the data in, and you get the results out. And that's actually the way that pretty much all of our computers work. It's been really, really good for that. Uh, but when you think about it, we have some pretty powerful computers, so powerful that they can have more data and do more processing than our brains do, but at a huge cost. It takes so much more energy and so much more data to do the same thing that our little brains do in comparison. Okay, big brains, you know, <laughs> you get what I mean. <laughs> and so um, it begs the question, why is that? And part of that limitation is this von Neumann architecture. We have the data over here and the processing power over here. Well, inside of our brains, we do something different. We have a neural network. This is a whole bunch of little neurons that have connections to each other. And the data, in some form or another, is a part of that interaction. In fact, you could say that the connections between the neurons is a form of data. And so the scientists and researchers have been studying that, trying to understand how our brains work, and they realized that they could make an architecture a lot more like the brain than our computers are. And that's a neuromorphic uh, architecture. And so this new chip that's doing the smells is doing it a lot more like our brains do than most computers would. In fact, because of this, it takes a lot less resource to do the same thing. In fact, uh, remember how we talked about machine learning and how they have to have a whole bunch of uh, data to train the machine to understand it? Well, they only needed like one or two whiffs able to be able to learn a smell with this computer. And that's more like us, you know, you smell it one time and then you recognize it next time. You don't have to smell it a hundred or a thousand times before you recognize it. So this has some really neat applications. And these neuromorphic computers are 
really different because they have the data and the connections between each other inside of the chip instead of having that architecture like a CPU, like the von Neumann architecture. So it's pretty exciting. And they were able to make a new silicon. This is a new chip from Intel that does this. And you can see inside of the chip the silicon wafer. And instead of using normal gates and a normal computer clock, they're actually using this neuromorphic architecture. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, this has a lot of neat applications. They're talking about how they could make sensors that could whiff you know, uh, chemicals for making bombs or dangerous chemicals that uh, we need to know about before they make someone sick. So it would be really neat for that. But you know, if you can start recording smells, that sounds kind of like you know how when we got video cameras, then we could start sending it. So maybe this is the beginning of how we have computers that make smells, don't just smell smells, right? And I was thinking about that, and you know, eventually people aren't going to want to all smell what you're watching at the same time, so you're going to need personal smells. I was thinking maybe we could have nose buds, something like that, you know? That's... <laughs> I'm not sure we're quite ready for that yet, but it's coming. <laughs> well, that's all the tech we have the time for. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, now it's time for Breakthroughs in Science with Tobias. Wow, computers that can smell that. That's perfect because tonight we're talking about... We're talking about pie. No, I'm not talking about the kind that goes good with ice cream. Oh, meat pie, no. Uh, we're talking about pie in the world of mathematics. And what is pie? Well, it's, it's a mysterious number. In fact, you could say it's maybe one of the most mysterious numbers of all time. It was a number that they knew existed for a long time, and they tried to find it. And the closer they got to it, the bigger it got. This is pretty mysterious. Well, we're talking about in relation to circles. And really, hundreds, even over a thousand years ago, um, they noticed, started to notice things about circles. If you take a circle, any circle, you can get your favorite circle, least favorite circle, doesn't matter. Get a circle, and you have the circumference, or the perimeter of that circle. And then you take the diameter, which is the measurement from one side of the circle to the other. Okay, so you've got the diameter, you've got the circumference of the circle. If you divide the circumference by the diameter, so the ratio between the two, the number that you get is this mysterious number. And that number will be the same with this circle and its diameter, with this one, with this one. With every circle, this same number will come out. They all have this number in common. But what is that number? And you know, one way you, we can look at that is if you take the circle, you get your diameter, we're gonna put the circle over here for a second, and make a ruler, a measuring stick with this diameter length. And this diameter is going to be one unit on that measuring stick. So one, two, three, and so on. Okay, Every length of our diameter is one. Get the circle back and unroll it on your diameter measuring stick. It unrolls to three. No, just past three. And every circle will unroll to just past three if you made a measuring stick with its diameter. So we know that this number is somewhere between three and four. It's pretty close to three, but what is it exactly? And that's what we were looking for. So many people were trying to figure out what is this number exactly? What is the it, in decimal form? Because it's got to be you know, like a decimal. It's not three, it's not four, it's somewhere in between. Well, Archimedes is the person we're going to talk about who was looking at this, trying to figure out how to find this mysterious number. And the way he decided to look for it was he was going to take a circle, and look for the perimeter or the circumference of that circle by using a trick he had found using a hexagon because he knew how to find the perimeter of a hexagon and it has six sides. Hexagon has six sides and he put a circle inside of that hexagon. Okay, so you got the hexagon, the circle doesn't fit perfect, there's a little bit of space but it's inside the hexagon. Then he did a smaller hexagon inside that circle. So we have a hexagon, a circle, and a hexagon and he found the perimeter of the one on the outside and the perimeter of the one on the inside, and so he knows the ratio numbers of those two, 
polygons, and he knows that somewhere in between is the circle. And he also knew how to double the number of sides on that hexagon to have 12 sides and how to find the perimeter of that. So he doubled it. All of a sudden, it gets more like a circle, has more sides. And he doubled it again. And, and what he's doing is he's narrowing down this polygon with an equal length sides because he knows how to find the perimeter of polygons, things with flat sides. So he does more and more and more flat sides until he gets up to 96-sided polygon. And um, he, when he gets to that point, he was able to narrow it down to it's somewhere between 3.1408 and 3.1428, somewhere in between there. And that was as far as he was able to get. And they actually, he was actually, um, sad story, killed while working on this um, Romans conquered the city he was in, and he was not supposed to be killed because he's kind of a national treasure. And the soldiers didn't know, and they came in, and it said that he said, don't disturb my circles. And they didn't realize it was him. And that was the last work in Europe done on this project for hundreds of years. Well, a, a China man, a couple hundred years later, did a similar technique, and he got to a polygon with over 3,000 sides. A lot of time on his hands. Um, and, he, and he got it to 3.141 and then a couple other decimal places, but he was still trying to fine-tune it. And this was the challenge. Who can find that end decimal? Who can get this calculated even deeper? Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, when he was at home from school because school was closed because of some kind of flu or something, familiar? Um, when he wasn't doing the stuff he did of figuring out gravity and all that cool stuff for fun, he would work on trying to calculate this mysterious number. And he was able to calculate 15 digits of this number. And what it ended up being was that this number is a very unique number because it is actually never ending. The more accurate you make it, the further this decimal number goes. If you take that, that polygon method, okay, we've chopped it in over 3,000 sides, you can keep chopping it, keep chopping it, keep chopping it, more and more sides. You're never going to get to a point where you're done. You can always divide those into more sides, get it more accurate. And this number is a never-ending decimal that never, it doesn't repeat, it's random. And people, I mean, they try to memorize it. I know 12 digits. Um, Maybe I'll rehearse uh, 3.1415926535. Um, Jeremy's back there. Oh, I know, like, <laughs> <laughs> some people of uh, the world record, um, this India man, he actually knows over 70,000 digits, and it took him 10 hours to recite it with a blindfold. Is the question how he did it or why? Uh, I think it's more of why. <laughs> and now they have computers that they actually use the computer, they test the speed of the computer by calculating digits of pi. And there's actually a record of how far a computer's been able to calculate this. And it's up to like, last I heard, 33 trillion and something. An insane amount, and yet it still goes and goes. Now why is this a big deal? Well, we come back to the circle. Because it's like the key that unlocks the world of a circle. So if you have a circle and you know the diameter, Let's say I don't know the circumference. If I just have the diameter, if I know this pi number, they named it after the 16th character in the Greek um, numbering system, which is pi, and it's a cool symbol, which I should show it. This is the symbol for pi. You take this number, and a lot of times they use 3.14, and you multiply that by your diameter of your circle, and boom, you have your circumference. You have the circumference. And Archimedes, when he started working on this, he realized that you could use this number not just to find like the circumference, you could use it to find the area of that circle, which is really hard to do. And you do that by having half of the diameter, the radius, you square that number and you multiply it by 3.14. And the more digits of pi you use in your math, the more accurate. NASA, the max number they use is 15 digits. Isaac Newton, apparently they were following after him, but they've, they've used that max number to get spaceships to other planets. Think about, I mean, anything with circles or spheres, even things with waves, calculating things like electromagnetic waves, light waves, so many things, even how much does a soda can hold of uh, the volume. 
it all ties into this amazing pi, this key of pi. So a mysterious math number. And um, you know, once it's something you want to learn, and it's an incredible tool. So take it, put it in your toolbox, if your toolbox is up here. Um, but wherever, and just remember, you can't pick these up at Home Depot. So <laughs> thank you. Right. And now, introducing Roger Billings. <laughs> and there she is. Hooray. That's my favorite so far. I like that one. That's your favorite mm -hmm. so far? Yeah. yeah. That's my favorite. Well, welcome everybody tonight. And uh, Johnny with nose pots. Oh. <laughs> my imagination. <laughs> Are you serious? Isn't that fun? And Tobias with his cherry pie. Mm. That's really a lot of fun, isn't it? You know, uh, pie is a, is a really fascinating number. And it's also very useful. I wonder if uh, all of you realize how you could use pi. Uh, the, the thing that's neat about math is that as you master it, you can do things with it. And I've been working this week on my uh, new design for tomato trees. Oh, yeah? Yeah, tomato trees are shows? trees that... Uh, grow hydroponically, which means there's not any soil, it's just in this nutrient water, but they, they grow like trees indoors, and some of you know we've been working on those. I'd like to show you maybe a picture of, of what a hydroponic tomato tree can look like, but uh, now you're going to be supplying light to these plants, and you have to have the right intensity of light. Can you see those there? Those are hydroponic tomato trees. And see those beautiful tomatoes? Mm -hmm. A tomato grown hydroponically indoors with no insecticides, no chemicals, uh, poisonous chemicals, and with LED lighting is the most delicious tomato you will ever taste. And I want everybody to be able to grow these in their home. So I've been working on my design of how to have a tomato tree in your house. And we've even been thinking about how when, you know, tomatoes can grow and grow and grow and give you uh, a harvest from a tomato plant for like a year. But eventually the plants start getting a little old and they stop producing as many tomatoes. So I'm designing this in such a way that before the plant gets old, you start another plant that grows in the same uh, little house and so you always have tomatoes, and the plants just keep changing every year or so, and I think it's kind of neat. But here's an interesting thing. So the diameter of a circle is one-third of the circumference. And think how we could use that, that knowledge. It's actually 3.1. Let's hear all those digits, uh, Tobias. But let's just say it's just over three times the diameter. So what that means is if you have a light, like an LED light, and it's shining out, the amount of light starts out very bright, but as it covers a bigger and bigger area, it's lighting up this whole inside of a circle, for example, then the light is spread between all that area. And so that means every time you go out one diameter, you one-third the light. That's a pretty handy thing to know when you're designing LED containers and things like this are, are very, very empowering. I, uh, I have my little hydrogen bottle tonight, uh -huh. and I have some interesting news to report about it. By the way, a bunch of you guys are trying these, and if you have your hydrogen bottle, I, I recommend you join with me and take a sip. <laughs> Did you bring yours? <laughs> No. <laughs> well, then I would like you to watch. <laughs> Uh-oh. I loaded yours. Look, it's dripping. Whoa, that is really good. You know, I would share, but there is a virus going around. 
There no, is. but I, I do want to talk about this. Remember, there is, if, if you are getting one from the Acela store, be sure you put in the code so you get half price. What is the code, by the way? I forgot. I think it's Dr. What is it? Dr. B. Dr. B, DRB. Your secret name. Okay, okay. I'm going to start this one up. Fire it up. Remember, you have to tap it twice to fire it up. If you have one, remember about once a week, you want to just hold your finger on the button for five seconds. And then instead of coming on blue like this one is and making hydrogen, it comes on orange and it goes in the clinging mode, okay? Remember, you have to hit it twice to start it, all right? Can you see uh, in here that cloud of gas is starting to build up? Mm -hmm. The thing that's really nice about this particular design is that it puts out bubbles that are so small they look like cloudy water. And you see it almost looks white there as it's charging up. I'm going to go ahead and put my finger. If you hold your finger on it for three seconds, it turns off. And that cloud will now start to dissipate. But the bubbles are so small that it takes them a while to go away. Now, what we're trying to do is get hydrogen to dissolve in the water. And to do that, the smaller the bubbles, the better. Now, here's the interesting thing. We read an article. Uh, recently about a study that, oh, I've got a spill. Excuse me for just a you minute. You came prepared for anything, didn't you? <laughs> I'm going to bring my bottle next week. <laughs> okay. Good. Wow. Now, back to this study. You want to hear about yeah. this. And this is kind of like magic. The study said that people that are having problems with asthma, mm -hmm. breathing problems, mm -hmm. have discovered that by drinking hydrogen water, it helps. Wow. And uh, a lot of kids kind of have that problem, and they have the rescue inhalers and things, and it's sure great to have them because sometimes they really need them. Well, this past week, we had uh, one of our great students that was having a problem with asthma, an asthma attack, so we got out the hydrogen bottle, and they said it really helped. Now, I don't know if that's called scientific data with just one data point, but it, it is really, really interesting. I do know that when I drink hydrogen water, it's a lot easier for me to drink, and because of that, I drink a lot more. And it makes sense. I think we can understand why that is. The hydrogen dissolves and makes the water more alkaline, and it's easier to drink. But it's, it's fascinating that uh, they're finding a lot of beneficial effects of, of this hydrogen water. But it's really important while we're fighting this virus to drink a lot. If you don't have a hydrogen bottle, hopefully you still have water. <laughs> and drinking a bunch of water every day is really going to help your body stay healthy. Remember, we talked about that last time. And I, I love hydrogen water, but just remember, all water is made of hydrogen. Mm -hmm. So if you've got any water, drink it. And I will say something else. Uh, water is the basis for the body cleansing itself. Uh, when we get pollution that we breathe, or we eat in certain food, certain foods. Mm -hmm. If we eat certain <laughs> foods, we build up toxins in our bodies. And the way that our body gets rid of all of those contaminants is through a process using water. The body needs water to keep a strong immune system, stay healthy, and you really should drink a lot of water. How much should they drink every day? Well, it depends on the age and the person in there. My age is 21, <laughs> and, the, and the person is me. How much should I drink, do you think? Oh, I just read something today. I don't know if it's true, but it's... I don't a, know if it is either, but uh, you know... 3.7 liters. 3.7 liters? Parts. Okay, well, you can drink too much water. <laughs> but, That's for guys. But for ladies, in, it's a little less. In general, I, I try to drink about four or five of these hydrogen bottles a day mm -hmm. of water, just with my normal other stuff, four or five. And that seems like quite a bit, but it really does make a difference. And uh, 
remember this, when you're trying to detoxify your body, water works much better than soda pop. (laughs) Water works much better than juice. Now, juice is really good for you, and you should drink juice. I think it's wonderful. But sometimes, if you just really want to cleanse your body, good old pure water without uh, punch or anything in it, just water is really, really good for you. And I very, very highly recommend it. I do too. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, tonight I have something really special to show you. I have a brand new invention. <laughs> yeah? It's uh, a magic wand. Can you see that? It's black and white. Can you see it? I can see it. Mm-hmm. And this wand is uh, special because it can be used to perform magic tricks, like turning water into hydrogen. Wow. And it can also be used to discover the presence of aliens. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for me to dismiss myself now. May I leave? (laughs) Well, we'd like to do a little experiment first. Okay. So the way this works is you wave the wand and do the little magic movement, you know, and if it's an alien, they'll disappear. Because aliens, they have a different chemistry. You know what I'm saying? They're shy. So they're shy. (laughs) That may be. That's more water. So what I'd like to do is to do this little test. You guys got just a minute? And we're just going to weigh this, and if she disappears, she's an alien. Now, it doesn't mean she's gone. It just means we can't see her. Okay? If she doesn't disappear, hmm, then that won't tell us as much, will you? Mm-hmm. Okay, we ready? Let's try it. You ready to try it? Uh-huh. Okay, ready, set. Is that your move? <laughs> That's going to be a dance. <laughs> Wait for the right move. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> what? I think the wand's a little bit dirty. Let me clean it up before we... <clears throat> Turns out that <laughs> I've got a wandomatic, which can be used to kind of clean up the wands when they're like this. I'm going to go ahead and put this in here, and then we'll just go ahead and turn <clears throat> the crank, oh, and, and this is how we clean it. Now we'll pull the wand out, okay. and we will find out. Uh-oh. Oh, look what you did. Look what she did to my wand. <laughs> that proves an alien That's presence, right. doesn't mm-hmm. it? We put it back it. in here and try to turn it. I think we've got it. Are you ready? Oh. <laughs> look, hmm. it came right back to life. <laughs> Okay, it's not quite ready yet. Are you supposed to do a dance? Could you, could you do me a favor? Could you just put your hand over the top of, of this thing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just push, push it right over the top. Push and my like hand that. over the top? Yeah, like that. Push it, push it down? Use your alien influence. That's good. Okay, now turn it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Look at came back full form <laughs> that proves something doesn't it proves you're a magician <laughs> hmm. there's got to be we, some way why would that we, we can figure this why out why would we let you discover that about why don't us? you just go like this right now yeah i mean over towards oh. here towards here towards here Is that mine? She did to our wand. (laughs) May I have that? (laughs) I'll work some more on this. We'll have it later, okay? So we have to use our influence. (laughs) Well, all I know is that uh, there is something very special about this person, and we are just about ready to launch the the lessons that we've been telling you about for social-emotional education. I'm starting to have <coughs> congestion. Need my hydrogen water. <coughs> that stuff is good. Stripping, isn't it? Hmm. It is. Um, yeah, you have to screw the bottom on, don't you? <laughs> That's really a good thing to learn. 
I love like hydrogen water. <laughs> did I load that for you? I think I did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she promised. <laughs> we will talk, yeah. <laughs> won't we? So here's the Whoops. deal. Today we finished the filming of the social emotional special lessons and I'm hoping that in a very very short time we will be able to have these live now some of you have taken the social emotional courses and we have new lessons coming out there but there's this special set that are going to show up when you log into a cellus on that opening page there will be a set of lessons that are to help you cope with difficult experiences in your life You'll be able to see those, and if there's one that you think would help you, you can go to it. Please, no more than one or two a day, right? <laughs> That's right. Right, Matthew? All right. I think it's going to be kind of special. So what do you call these special lessons that are not part of the class? They're just there on the sign-in page, or they will be very mm -hmm. soon. I call them crisis intervention lessons. Crisis intervention. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means when you're going through a crisis in your life or something is imminently happening to you that you really need to have help dealing with it that you can go to this lesson and it will address that thing and hopefully it will intervene and help your attitude and your thought process of what you're going through change a little bit. So what about a crisis like a virus? So one for that? It's not labeled virus. <laughs> What's it called? Going through a health situation. Going through a health situation. Okay, mm -hmm. it turns out that there are a lot of health problems that we can run into. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like everybody that lives on this planet has certain difficult circumstances that we have to go through. And a lot of people are going through difficult circumstances right now with this particular virus. We call it the coronavirus because under a microscope it kind of looks like the corona of the sun, which is kind of beautiful, but it does make people sick. And a lot of people have, have gotten this particular virus. A lot more are going to get it. Um, and quite a few people are, are, are pretty nervous about it right now, and they're afraid that it's going to come into their home, into their family, into their, their lives. Um, we talked about it last week, and I told you how I feel about it. Of course I'm concerned. Any sickness is unpleasant, and uh, yet it's, uh, it's one of those things that we're going to be able to deal with. I've noticed some good things that are happening because of the virus. Have you noticed them? Uh, went to the grocery store, and you know... Uh, a lot of people are there getting hand wash and Clorox sterilizer and toilet paper. <laughs> Seems like they can't keep up on toilet paper because everybody does not want to run out. Uh, I bought some toilet paper and took it home and the grandkids came over. And when I went back in, all the toilet paper was flat. They had made little houses on it, and they rolled over the top, and they mashed all the toilet paper. Hope it still works. <laughs> but the thing that I noticed at the grocery store is that people were so kind. They were so kind and uh, caring that it was really special. And I think that this crisis that we're facing is helping Americans and, and for that matter, uh, citizens of other nations of the earth, because this seems to be some for everybody. But it's helping us remember the things that really matter. And I think we're remembering to care about each other more. And that part's good. It's a crisis. Uh, there have been a lot of crises that I've seen in my lifetime and a lot more that are going to come. But we're going to get through it. And I think we're well on our way to do it. I'm pretty excited about all the things that I see that people are doing to get ready. Building emergency hospitals in case we need more than, than we have. 
doing testing, getting respirators and equipment for our healthcare people is just really, really kind of exciting. Uh, one wonderful company announced that they could manufacture hand sanitizer because we have a big shortage on it right now. And they make a, uh, an alcoholic beverage. So they have a lot of alcohol. They said we could divert that to making hand sterilizer and they're gonna make thousands of gallons a day. And they said they're gonna donate it free of charge to our, our government and our medical personnel. I think it's kind of neat that people are going out of their way to help. I think it inspires other people because there's another company now actually in Kansas City who's going to be doing that. And, and they're going to make hand sterilizer. Yeah. Boy, our hands are going to be so clean, yeah. <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's wonderful when we start caring about each other. And it's, it's sad that it takes a crisis like this to do it. But it's good that we're, that we're remembering how much we care. Um, throughout our history of this, this wonderful nation, every time really, really big things have confronted us, we've pulled together and helped each other, and, and we come through it, and we're doing it again. Uh, some people are saying, well, well what's going to happen? We're, we've been sent home from school. Boy, there's a lot of students that are not at school right now. And some people are saying they probably won't go back for the rest of the school year. Some mm -hmm. kids say, hooray, and I say, whoa. We don't want you to get behind in your schooling, yeah. do we? Um, I think it's going to pass sooner than some think. Yeah, they're wondering if we're scared. Are you scared? I'm not. I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I have, like I said last time, I have the belief inside of me that things happen for a reason, and there's a greater power, and it's going to be okay. And I just really feel like it. Uh, I'm not losing any sleep. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm just realizing how grateful I am for the people that I know that are, are in my life. And, you know, I just think, boy, couldn't stand to lose any of them. And, and then I think about what kind of a person do I want to be and how can I live this minute so that it makes life better for the people around me. We start thinking like that, wow. Helps us get through things, doesn't it? It does. Mm -hmm. uh, Peje is a, is a really interesting person. And she has been working on a, uh, a special campaign that I'm not supposed to talk about yet. <laughs> but I can't help it. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't help it. Today, I got a new flashlight. You say, so? And, well, this one's special because it shines darkness. Shines darkness. It's kind of like a black hole flashlight. It yeah. shines black light. You've heard of black lights? Mm -hmm. You know, certain things shine bright in black lights. And now they've got LEDs that put out black light color. And if you have a, a white shirt and you wash it in a detergent that has the right little chemicals in it to make it really shine in the sunlight, and you put the black light on it, it just really glows. And you get special paints that really show up in black light. It's kind of fun to play with. But the reason I got the black light was for the garden. Did you know that in a garden, when you're raising tomatoes, you get a big critter that comes and really gives your tomatoes a hard time. It's called a hornworm. Yeah, they're big. Hornworms <laughs> are big green critters. In fact, I'll show you a picture of one in just a second here because hopefully the picture lady is working on it. <laughs> hornworms are scary looking things. They are. And yet when they crawl on your tomato plants, they they just chew up the leaves. They can take a whole branch out. There's one. Aren't those interesting critters? Now, eventually, this hornworm is going to turn into a moth, okay? But right now, he's just going to eat up tomato plants. And they eat the leaves, 
And they also sometimes will eat the tomatoes, and they're pretty voracious. Let's see if we can find another photograph of a hornworm on a tomato plant. Hornworms have been created to look exactly like tomato, tomato leaves. And so when they get in your garden and you go out looking for them, you can't find them. You know what we do at our house? Yep, we tell the kids that we'll give them a prize for every hornworm they find. And they go out through the leaves looking for these little hornworms because you can pick them off and then you can save the plant and you get some tomatoes. So let's look and see if we can find a hornworm on a tomato plant. And I want you to see how well they penetrate. Can you see how he just blends right into the plant? And so the problem is when you get a hornworm infestation, it's very, very, very hard to find them, okay? So what do you do? Well, the answer is you get a few, but most of them don't get caught, so then they lay eggs, and then you get a lot of hornworms, and then you lose a lot of tomatoes. And that's where the black lights come in. Because if you go into the garden at night with a black light and shine it, the tomatoes don't glow in the black light, but the hornworms do. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got them. You can find them. And I think that's a really neat thing. Would you like to see a picture? Oh, here it comes. That's the desktop. Uh -huh, that's nice. Okay, well, that's we're, the picture, lady. we're really fixed up here. Let's yeah. look at a hornworm at night under a black light and see what they look like. What do you think? What about this one, right? Here. Looks like you. Right here. Look at that. <laughs> Look. Hornworm, please. Okay, no hornworm. There oh, it is. Oh. Can you see how they kind of glow? It's pretty neat. And That's anybody, amazing. isn't that, that is something? Cool. That is so really you can cool. find them at night. And you can get one of these little black light flashlights on the internet for just $10. Pretty neat. Everybody that's raising tomatoes ought to have one of these, don't you think? Another thing that's really interesting, any of you that live down in Costa Rica or somewhere where they have scorpions, you know a scorpion? It's a little crab yep. with a stinger tail. Scorpions show up in black light too. And the interesting thing about scorpions is they show up different colors depending on what kind of scorpion it is. So if you happen to live where there are a lot of scorpions, you can use your black light to find them, which is really interesting. You know, there's something else you can do with it. What? I don't know that we should say this. Since we? This, should we say it? Maybe Johnny could say it with his nose pods. Oh. All right. There, there's one other thing that I will just mention. If you have a little animal that sometimes comes in the house or someone else that would urinate on the carpet with a black light you can see where they did it cleaned up we can clean maybe, it up that way can't we maybe you don't wonder where the smell is coming yeah, from yeah, you wonder where it's from you, you don't put up. your nose down there isn't right? that fascinating all the useful things you can do with a black light and now that we have black light LEDs you want to see one let's show you a picture of a black light uh, and a flashlight that's a black light. And remember, it shines out kind of a invisible dark purple color, but they, they look kind of neat. $10 are available all over the internet. Do you know and, frogs, yeah. some frogs glow like scorpions? Yes, some frogs do. And their bones do too? And there it is. See that black light shining out of there with those LEDs? I think that's really neat. And if anybody's raising tomatoes, you really should have a black light to control the critters. There is a, another interesting thing you can do, and, and this starts to tell you a lot about nature and how amazing nature is. There's a little tiny, tiny, tiny wasp that uh, if it happens to find your garden and if you happen to have these hornworms, it comes and it lays its egg in the hornworm, and the eggs hatch out, and it kills the hornworm. 
And so that's a natural predator that will protect your garden. And these are the kind of little wasps that don't, and there's one where the little eggs are hatching out. Aren't they beneficial to the garden? And so yeah. you don't even need a black light if you have some of those little wasps. Yeah. It's already shining. It's kind of interesting. There's also a, uh, a little teeny, 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 almost microscopic critter called a nematode. And uh, nematodes uh, lay their little eggs in ticks. You know, like you go out in the woods and you get a tick on you and it can cause sickness and other problems. Well, in some parts of the country, there's a lot of ticks, wood ticks. And you can put these little nematodes out into the forest. I do it around my house, out in the forest. And these nematodes, which you can't even see, they get rid of, of the ticks. And you have to do it every year, but it's kind of nice to be able to go out there and not have that problem. They also get rid of one other thing. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm, I do. What? Your little teeny nasty chiggers. Chiggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in many parts of the country, we have a little teeny critter that you almost can't see, but boy, you can sure see where they bite you. You get chigger bites and you get a little rash from them. They look kind of like a mosquito bite. They itch like crazy. Yeah, in some of the less humid parts of the country, they don't have chiggers, but boy, here in the Midwest, we sure do. And these nematodes, besides knocking down the, the wood ticks, they also knock down the chiggers. And then you can go out and sit in the grass and enjoy it, not a problem. So these are friends. Uh, There is another wonderful insect that's a real friend to your garden called a praying mantis. And these are very religious bugs. (laughs) 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 And uh, they, they are special because they look like they're praying. And they get pretty big, they, they grow Pretty big, and here's one right here. Look how he's praying. They're actually pretty cool looking. Yeah, they're pretty neat, and like I said, they start little and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can actually order praying mantis or the internet, and they come in a little egg sack, and you put them in your garden, and pretty soon they all over. And they eat, not plants, they eat the insects that eat your plants. So they're pretty neat. And the other one that a lot of people use is ladybugs. You've all seen ladybugs. Ladybugs are really interesting because you can, you can buy those too and let them go in the garden. Some people will do them for somebody's birthday. They'll get a bunch of ladybugs. <laughs> the thing that's really interesting about them, we did them in our garden, but what they didn't tell us is that every year at the same time, all the ladybugs come back. <laughs> And so we get this big collection of ladybugs at that certain time of the year. And uh, they can do a little bite thing. It's not bad, but if you get them on, you've got to be they careful with ladybugs. Too. They kind of smell too. If they, if, if they think they're being attacked, they what put do, out a what, smell. What do they smell like? It's a very green smell. A green smell. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe it as a green Smells smell. have color. I, ha- they I, smelled, do. I smelled a gray smell once. <laughs> and a blue one. That's amazing. Yeah. And just think, pretty soon you'll be able to get a ladybug. And if you get it upset, then it puts out its little stink. That's so you'll leave it alone. That's right. And then you can get your phone and smell it. And then you can fix that smell to your friends. Hey, smell this. You think that's coming? Of course, they'll have to have their nose pods. I know, we're going to have (laughs) uh, ear pods and nose pods. Wow, John. Imagination. (laughs) But you know, it is really, really powerful thing to do. Now, they say that when it comes to tasting food, that we only can recognize four tastes. And you say, well, I can taste more than four things. What are the four tastes? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, (laughs) wonderful, wonderful. Sweet. Sweet. Sour, sour, salty, salty, bitter, and bitter, and that's the only taste they say that you can taste. And yet, I can taste an apple, an orange, and I can tell a difference, or an onion. Mm-hmm. And the way that we tell beyond those four tastes is through smell. Mm-hmm. Smell is amazing. 
we can tell yes. many, many, many different kinds of smells. It's a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Yeah, it can. Some smells are not so pleasant, like, for example, skunks. You can smell skunks a long ways off. Just a couple skunk smell molecules, and the human nose can detect it. And you say skunk. And that's their defense mechanism. Have you noticed that the certain kind of animals, people go tease, but skunks, we pretty well leave them alone, <laughs> right? There's also the smells of many wonderful flowers. Mm -hmm. There's uh, many, many wonderful, pleasant smells of food and other things. Perfumes. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've noticed is that certain smells that you don't smell very often, and all of a sudden you smell it, it takes you back to a memory. Yeah. And I think that's very fascinating about smells. Smells remind us of things that we do. Uh, so we're talking about being able to have a computer that can smell and then have a computer that can make a smell so other people can smell it. And frankly, that's kind of down the road. We haven't really figured out how to do it. John's figured out how we can start detecting a certain smell. But it's, it's something that's still going to take a lot of work for science to be able to really do that. But the amazing thing is the human body can already do it. That is we can see, we can touch, we can hear, we can smell. Uh, and all of these different things make life more wonderful, don't they? And then there are some of us that something happened and we lose one of those senses. Maybe we lose the ability to see. Maybe we lose the ability to hear. And it's amazing the way the human body adjusts. We talked about this before. A person that maybe has lost their sight quite often will gain the ability to see through their hearing. Mm -hmm. And they can hear things that the rest of us just don't hear because their, their hearing becomes so acute. And that's not only in our senses. Did you know that in the human body that uh, the organs adapt and cover for each other? For example, there, there are a lot of functions that are done by one organ, and if something should happen, that organ should become ill, maybe even have to be removed with surgery. Then another organ will take over that function. And, and to me, it's just miraculous. I think it's really neat. But the thing I was wanting to tell you, and the reason I went down this hornworm path, <laughs> is because of a little guy named Crawley. Have, have you, any of you heard about Crawley before? Oh, tell them about Crawley. I think you'd be perfect at telling them about Crawley. <laughs> she doesn't want to tell you about Crawley. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Okay, well, I'll go for it. <laughs> Peugeot has a friend named Crawley. And Crawley is somebody that I think is going to change a lot of lives. And this is the first time we've ever really talked about it in this way. You know, a hornworm is a moth waiting to be formed. There are other caterpillars that don't turn into moths, they turn into butterflies. Mm -hmm. Butterflies and moths are similar, but different. But they both come from caterpillars. When you find a caterpillar, if you look at it and you have a trained eye, you know what kind of butterfly it's going to become. But a caterpillar cannot fly. Mm -hmm. That's why he's called Crawley. Because <laughs> all he can do is crawl and eat crawl and eat, crawl and eat. Eventually, the wise caterpillars stop and they spin a, a chrysalis. chrysalis. Mm -hmm. It's a little house. Yeah. And if you look at the chrysalis that a caterpillar spins, they can be very beautiful. They can even look metallic, and each different variety of caterpillar spins a different color of chrysalis. If it happens to be a 
moth caterpillar, then it spins a cocoon, right? right? Mm -hmm. And they're similar. Inside that little house, Crawley starts to change. Where he could only crawl and eat, he now starts to grow wings. And they're not just any wings. They're wings that will give him the power to fly, and they are wings that are exquisitely beautiful. And the pattern and the shape and the colors of those wings are different for every kind of butterfly. When I was visiting in Brazil, I went out into the forest and I saw butterflies that had a pattern on the wings that looked like numbers. The number 88, 86, 80. There's all these different numbers of butterflies were very, very fascinating. But butterflies are very, very beautiful. To, to me, there's got to be a lesson in that. What if, what if we were like caterpillars, like we were like crawlies, and we were going through our lives kind of crawling around trying to find happiness and, and looking at the whole world just from close to the ground? What would we do to spin our cocoon? What would give us the power to soar and do great things? Peje, what would it be? Acellus is one of those things. Education. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Education. Education empowers us to be our best, to be able to soar. Yeah. And I'd just like to point out tonight, while a lot of us are... Are, are doing a cellus and, and many are doing cellus at home because the schools are taking the time out in, in many cases. These minutes that you spend acquiring knowledge are what's going to give you the power to do amazing things in your life. And if you think about it, you could you could go work hard shining shoes for all the neighbors and get all your money and take it over and put it in the bank. And the more shoes you shine, the more money you get in the bank, the richer you get. But the effort you put in gaining knowledge is like putting money in your brain. It's making your abilities more valuable. It's going to make it so you can get jobs you never dreamed of. Jobs that will be rewarding and will even pay you better salaries. Knowledge empowers people to fulfill their life missions. And you know, your life missions are, are what you choose. But to be able to do them, you're going to need education. And that's, that's the reason that education should be a top priority for us all. That's why a lot of you that are, are doing a cellus are doing so at a sacrifice, a financial sacrifice of your parents. And I think you should be extremely grateful yeah. to them for bringing you these opportunities. And I think they do it because they realize that this learning is going to empower you to great, do great things. Yeah. Don't waste your chances to learn. It's not about getting through the class. It's about acquiring that power, the power that comes from knowing, from knowing pi, from knowing math, from knowing science, from knowing how to communicate with your language arts, to knowing about history, and all of these different wonderful things that are going to help you have wonderful lives. We'll give you a closing thought tonight. <laughs> No thoughts, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm really intrigued by what you just said about knowledge empowers people to do their life's mission. And the education is like putting money into their minds. And I've wanted to be able to um, say that in some of my courses, but that is exactly what, they, what you need to hear because it's really what it's about. And the Acellus tool is amazing. And being grateful 
to those who have brought it to you is going to really, really go a long ways in your life. How come when she says it, it sounds better? <laughs> it doesn't. That's not fair. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Stay healthy, take your yeah. vitamins, exercise, get mm -hmm. plenty of rest, and drink lots of water made of hydrogen. If that's you have right. a hydrogen water bottle, that's great. If you don't, then drink water right out of the tap, which is clear full of hydrogen. Thank you. And good night. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us tonight. We'll see you next week. Have a great night.